have you on the show, mate. Um, I'm super excited to talk to you because I know you've been, like me, you've been in the industry for, for a long time. You're, um, it's let's just say seasoned. I mean, I'm going a bit white myself, mate. Oh, mate. But, Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I know um, you, you've got a really interesting background and I thought we could um, we'll start on a bit about yourself. Well, look, these days, obviously, I'm sort of in, in the personalization space. I sort of run a personalization technology, but I can't cut my teeth in media. So that's kind of where yep. I sort of, uh, you know, learned the industry and um, came out as a young fella, you know, in through media sales and, and um, pre- predominantly in the tech, tech media industry. Yeah, uh, back yep, then, yep. you know, print was king and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and pretty quickly uh, technology media evolved into digital. But, yeah, media sales, ad, ad director and being a, pub, a young publisher of sort of biz, uh, business and tech media publications pc world which you might remember from the old yeah, days i do actually yeah pc was world magazine that was yeah, yeah it back was when, back when you had 350 pages of, of uh magazine and 150 yep. pages of ads Unbelievable yeah 100%. it was really good <laughs> um it was it's actually interesting uh net, net guide magazine was the yeah. other one as well yeah. yeah 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 so i mean back then you know every brand advertiser used that media and every reseller sold yeah. uh, off the page at the back um, yeah Yep. And they were the first to embrace digital. You know, those mm. advertisers back then, it was the HPs and the Dells and Compaq, those sort of yeah. brands. Yeah, they, brands. They were the first to embrace uh, digital media, you know, as well. So yeah. it allowed me to sort of come through and see firsthand how those big tech brands were leading in the tech space and then gradually, you know, migrate into, into sort of technology media. Mm. Um, so I cut my teeth on that and wound up at Fairfax in a B2B global media role there, running their B2B media division. Right, and, and, got- and I read your title, mate, and I have to say I was so impressed. Um, I, thought, I, just, I didn't know because I've known you for so long, you know, we've been around the scene for so long, and I'm like, so you're like the international GM of technology media or something. That was like your title or something, wasn't yeah. it? I hope I didn't self-assign that, but um, uh, <laughs> no, to, be, to be honest, they, yeah, it was actually an interesting role. They, they had acquired another B2B media business that had – operations right. in New, Ze- uh, New Zealand, England, uh, Hong Kong, uh, Singapore. Yep. And it was MIS and it was CFOs. Uh, it was B2B, uh, technology yep. media, uh, business media. And I was the, the international manager for all of those global offices. We were a little island in, in the Fairfax. Yep. Uh, in the big pond. In review yeah. <laughs> business media world. Yeah. Um, so fascinating role and you know, leading big sales teams, advertising sales teams and talking to you know, technology <laughs> companies uh, every day of the week, mm. more or less from an advertising perspective. Yeah. And then I did a hard 180 after about three years in Fairfax. Um, I did a hard 180, sort of was a little burned out on the corporate and wanted to sort of roll yeah. the sleeves up and go to something that was a um, little different, a little more hands-on yeah. Um, yeah. and a little more cutting edge and something where I had a bit of skin in the game. And met a couple of guys who had just started a business called Get Price, which was mm-hmm. a a price comparison engine, really smart guys. And at that time, price comparison engines were really um, some of the largest shopping traffic websites in the country. Yeah, they were. Uh, they were huge. I mean, yeah. every, I mean, if you wanted to buy something online, you would go to get price. A lot of retailers never really sort of thought, well, people are shopping on price at that point even. So the, the whole concept of, hey, you can, what, you can get a price online, like, yeah. I think the naming of it, I think the, the the timing of it was just genius. I thought it was, you know, fantastic. Mm. So kudos to you and those guys that started that. It was really good. Yeah. So look, we rode the wave, but it was Changed free Google industry. shopping. Well, it really mm. did. It it, it, mm. it got Google's attention, you know, because at the oh, time, 
there yeah. were two or three of, uh, of major comparison shopping sites, and they were they were taking most of the traffic. I think we at one point went from you know half a million visitors a month to about four million. And I think eBay wow. at the time was about eight million. So yeah, yeah. This is and eBay was huge back then too. Everybody was going to eBay for everything. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. and the other difference was back then the traditional bricks and mortar retailers hadn't embraced e-commerce. So yeah, we were dealing yeah. with a whole little economy of fuel plays like Deals Direct, OO, Grays Online. Yeah. Grays uh, Online. Grays. Yeah, they've been around forever. Grays yeah. Online. Yeah. 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 Um, and I remember Matt from uh, eWave. He was the only real. Um, serious online payment gateway. You could, you, you know, you, you know, he really killed it. He was such a smart guy, you know. Yeah. He, and I remember I, I spoke to him a, a while ago, and I haven't spoken to him for years. And he, um, I, I wrote my first website in ASP.net, and this was <laughs> this was this was before Google, and I used what a platform called VPASP. Yeah. And it was the first <laughs> off-the-shelf platform that you could buy, and it it only had a plugin for his gateway. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and um, it was so like so. So that was so. VPASP was like one of the first actual kind of like big commerce or, or sort of Shopify it, where you could, you know, just install it. And uh, the hosting cost me fifteen hundred dollars a month for that. I remember. Yeah, right. It was so expensive. So, I, so I built my own server and everything. Anyway, long story short, okay, that's probably for another podcast one day. I'll get Matt on. <laughs> we'll have well, a chat to him. Well, no, he mm. was interesting. And, and back then, we all shared leads. So I remember we actually did a deal with, mm. with Matt about. Oh, really? selling. So if they were a get price customer <laughs> and signed up to that and yeah, vice versa. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you still see that collaboration in e-commerce today, but back then it was yeah, even yeah. more important because no one really took e-commerce that seriously then, even the big brands. Mm. And so no, it was no. us really pushing the industry forward and, Eventually Harris Technologies. Do you remember them? Harris Technologies. They were yeah. one. Of, they would have yeah. been one of your big ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, they were actually our biggest advertiser. They used to do catalogs in the back of the PC. Oh, bags mate, back do you remember? Day. That was so. They were like a bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were yeah. Telephone books, and they would insert yeah. their catalog in in a hundred thousand copies of a of a PC yep. World magazine. Yeah. Um, the pre-internet days. Um, <laughs> So unbelievable. Anyway, News yeah. Corp actually bought our business, Get Price, which was uh, in 2010. So it got the attention of the big media companies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that was then, an yeah, amazing result. It was, yeah. We bought it back in 2012 and um, and then re established ourselves, launched the company Next Commerce. I remember where we, that. we took yes. Get Price and we also yes. launched a, a discovery business called Hint and a fashion discovery business called Trova. Um, nice. So we sort of extended that as um, people started shopping less on price and they were more looking for, it was more visual and discovery. And that's why we yes. had to sort of extend the range into that and sold that business to Future Publishing in 2016. Um, and at that point, I took a big deep breath and said, what do I want to do from here? And mm. interestingly enough, Beryllians had been on my radar because we'd been watching yep. what they were doing. And I think they were just about the only personalization platform back then. They launched in 2009. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was so far ahead of the ahead of the curve. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, um, that's that's a, it's a, it's a definitely a great product. And I think when I was at Bing Lee, I, I remember at the same time um, we were having a like there was a huge boom in in mobile commerce, and um, you know we we just couldn't get the customer to convert. You know we were having like horrendous yeah. the convert yeah conversion rates on on mobile customers, um, and and I was actually. Uh, well, part of the agency that, that I was using at Bingley, um, Fontes and, and Lloyd Hazlitt, actually, uh, we sat down and we, we strategized a bit. And he said, look, I think you should go uh, responsive 
um, on and uh, as a responsive designer, and everybody had apps at the time. I remember Every, yeah. apps in the app store, and Harvey Norman had just launched their um, their app, and I think Gordon Nugent was running it at the time. He was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, good old Gordo. And then, <laughs> um, you know, and then, so, you know, I took a massive hit. I remember this because I was getting so much pressure to have. Why don't we have all the buyers? Why don't we have an app? And then, literally, um, you know, and, and the conversions were so so bad. I was actually feeling. I was starting to feel the pressure a lot, mm. you know. And then all of a sudden, there was this sort of flip. I think p- people just did not trust the device because it was so, um, you know, they, they just weren't used to, like it had gone from the BlackBerry to then to now iPhones. People had a browser. They just weren't in that. It was only a few years in. It's like five years in. They weren't really trusting the device so much to shop and buy. You wouldn't buy a washing machine or a TV on your phone and, and nobody could get the concept. I'm like, guys, we don't need an app. We need to go responsive. We launched the responsive site. Then everybody backtracked and they had millions of URLs in Google SERPs that were all pointing towards apps. And it was just an absolute <laughs> fight. And we, we started to outrank everybody, Bing Lee did, because um, our, our URLs were clean. And that decision very early on uh, from Lloyd and myself to go responsive saved the company millions yeah. of dollars. And, cool. um, and, and, and it wasn't until we started looking at the engagement on mobile defi- um, commerce and trying to redefine uh, what the experience, uh, we started looking at recommendations um, very early on and recommendations and, and how, uh, you know, uh, Google spoke very early. I think it was 2014 or 2015, Google introduced a concept called, um, uh, you know, mobile moments. They're saying that people, they, were, they did a huge study and they said, you know, people have these uh, mobile moments in search or uh, where, you know, um, and micro moments, I think they called them as well, buzzword. But it was more like when you, when it's sort of brain to keyboard, now your your computer, your phone is now replacing your computer. And I think they were really concerned because they could see that a lot of retailers had not invested enough in recommendations, in personalization, in mo- the mobile experience. Mm. Um, and I think that sort of led to, uh, you know, what we actually are seeing today is this sort of um, this mobile mobile customer and, and the future of discovery, I really feel is is in that mobile experience. Maybe tell us a bit more, um, Matt, I'm so, like super interested because I, I, you know, in full, in full transparency, I was a, was a uh, Beryllian's customer. Uh, David Shepard, actually, who's over now, is actually over at Google. We, we Google, sat down yeah. and, yeah, we sat down and, and we, we, we did a, a lot of strategy around why, um, mobile wasn't converting and you know we were spending quite a bit of money on on uh, adwords uh, at the time now it's called google ads but um you know and we just you know it wasn't until we started working with you guys i think that's really when you know we took the business from both david and i from doing about five to six million dollars to over 150 million in 2019 yeah and we did it through personalization and we did yeah. it through um no, no. I think the the number one thing for me is was not overcomplicating it. And I think one of the things I really really resonated with Brilliance at the time, as you said, they were very early on. They there were only a few players. We tried at the time. It was a, a product called Baynote. Yes. Um, yeah. You remember Baynote? Yeah, and I do, yeah. it, 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 The implementation was a, was wasn't great on our yeah. side. The product was good. We just we just couldn't get it to work. Um, we tried a number of things, but but Brilliance was the one that always tended to come out up on top for us at the time. 
And, um, you know, it's all transparency. You're not paying me for this. <laughs> but, you know, I'm only speaking the truth as a retailer that's yeah. been in retail for 15 years. When you find something, sometimes, you know, you, you want to shout it to the rooftops. You want to tell everybody how, how something like Brilliance can really change the dynamic of your business. Yeah. No, look, it's interesting. And, and look, yeah, we, we, we value that relationship. You know, a lot of our business does come through that referral network. So it, it's interesting. But I, I think personalization matters and it's now mainstream for a reason. Um, it's no longer a, a, a sort of a nice to have. It's now a must have. And for, for the simple reason that customers expect it and I think retailers need it. And so to unpack that a bit, we've all become, I think consumers have uh, become conditioned to expect personalization in our everyday transactions. So even when you go down to your local barista and you get your coffee or tea in the morning, you know, you, you can look at that barista. They know exactly, they all know your name. They know yep. exactly what coffee you have, whether you have a sugar with it, whether you're buying it with toast, you can be six deep in the line and they'll just give you a nod. Um, yeah, it's, br- it's great, isn't it? There's no yeah, better feeling, right? No better you, feeling. Yeah. You feel um, wanted. You feel, feel like they know you as a person. And, and, you feel, and for them, it's relevance, right? Everything about them is maintaining their relevance with you because you could just walk to the next coffee shop and, yeah. um, you know, uh, you know, there's there's some point of difference and relevance to, to that yeah. audience. And yeah. I think personalization drives loyalty, you know, and that's a really yeah. good example. Same with like, you, yeah. you, you, you know, you find you're with Spotify and you're listening to beautifully curated playlists. And we take that yeah. for granted today that, you know, personalization is actually driving discovery, right? Because yes, you get, yes. Spotify or Netflix are giving you really great cross-sells based on real-time data. Yep. And that is driving discovery and the discovery then drives engagement and the engagement mm-hmm. drives loyalty. So it's this yep. self-fulfilling um, prophecy, sort of isn't it? Prophecy mm. that, uh, mm. that yep. so customers expect it. The other side of that is customers are now in 2023 starting to get frustrated if they don't get it. So we know we're giving up more data signals than we ever have. And we know that retailers uh, are capturing that data. So yep. we expect them to use that in a smart way. And, you know, I have a pet, I'm a dog and it's my only pet. And it's been my only pet for six years. And I, I shop at the same brand store physical mm-hmm. and online. Mm-hmm. So they have all the data signals on me. They know I don't have a fish. They know I don't have a cat. So <laughs> I should be very simple yep. to market too. And those that are actually this brand I'm talking, thinking of actually does it pretty well. I get pretty targeted messaging. Um, but we expect that. And if I have to wade through 80% of content that is not relevant to me, where you yep. know exactly what dog food I buy and what medication and what treats, um, yep. it can actually work the other way. So customers want it. And I think retailers need it because retailers need an edge. And Yeah, they do. Yep. Too often that edge is price driven. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. becoming too price driven. It's always on sale. Um, yeah, that's right. Well, when you're selling pet food, for example, I mean, your only difference sometimes is your range, but that range is very, sometimes difference is, is, is very limited. So it's, uh, as Bing Lee was exactly the same, you know, we were selling TVs, Harvey's was selling TVs, um, you know, whoever else, uh, you know, video pro. So we're, we're, um, and then appliances online when they bought big brown box, they were, you know, obviously trying to go into the brown goods space and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, if you're, if your only point of difference is your, your service or your store locations, uh, or your price or your your um your range it has to be a big difference in terms of range like you know amazon for example obviously with its flywheel is exactly how they grew that yeah. business which is super smart right so but um yeah you're right i mean personalization in my mind you, you've got to have it it's got to be done right maybe we should touch on on that a little bit i mean you know um 
it's it's not should I have personalization. It's sort of what kind of per, how deep is my personalization going to going to go in my, exactly. this is in my in my mind. Yeah, and there's a there is a bit of a creepiness factor, as you say. We there are more intense signals. There are more data signals. Yeah. Uh, you know that we're giving out than than ever before. Um, everything has observer tags these days, you know, watching your every move online, tracking your mouse, tracking pretty much everything. I mean, it was only just recently, even WhatsApp was, they were talking about was listening in on your conversations because the mic was activated. Now I don't know how deep that runs, but at the same time, you know, people get freaked out. So how do you find that sort of, um, technology balance, I suppose, let's call it between offering a point of difference to your customer through your brand and your range, your messaging. And, you know, it's that old saying, right product, right person, right time. But, uh, you know, maybe how do you find that balance? How does Beryllians find that balance? Yeah, so it, and it's very topical, right? So there is now that mm. balance you have to find with, with privacy. I work on the, the basis that your IT or your, your, your personalization should actually be invisible to a degree. So it should be a seamless experience. It's not about showing how many personalization tricks you have. It's about mm. having a seamless integration into the total experience. And... Yep. Um, you know, if you go on Amazon, obviously does it better than anyone. You'd never feel creeped out by Amazon, but they've managed to make every cross sell available to you in one click and the ability <laughs> to get to a, to the checkout and then to transaction is so seamless in that experience. So it, it is virtually invisible, but they're using smart data signals to get you to that checkout as quickly as possible. Um, so yep. that's the first thing. Don't overplay your hand in the sense of trying to show as many tricks as you can. It's about being seamless in a uh, seamless integration. Yep. Also, we can get a lot of opt-in signals now. So there's a lot of permission-based personalization you can do, right? So yep. Yep. When, when you're gathering all of this data, you've got loyalty programs, you've got your CRM, you've got people opting in for emails. There's various ways that you can capture what a customer does want to see and does not want to see. Um, yep. And so that's the other part is, you know, we do a lot of permission-based, you know, rather than just send somebody a browse abandonment email, we can yep. trigger a little pop-up or message bar saying, would you like us to send you the items that you looked at? Because we know you also, you know, we know that customer might've also looked at the store locator. So we know they're about to go into store, but yep. don't creep them out. Let's just ask them if they would like that so they can, you know, peruse those products on their phone when they go in store, things like that. The thing I think a lot of, a lot of retailers don't do well enough is understand the interactions that customers have with their yep. brand and their website. And I think for me, one of the really cool things about that I felt about Brilliance as a as a you know the the department running the department, um, I had faith in the fact that I think that if if the owner walked over and asked me questions, I could pretty much answer them. You know, like these are the these are the, we could see it, we could visualize it. Yeah. Um, but there's a sense of trust, I think, that that the interactions that a, a software like Brilliance, for example, or a recommendation software, is going to have the right nuance around the customer and a right nuance around that, uh, around that particular interaction. And I mean, that's a whole topic in itself, really. I mean, it's how far does that rabbit hole go in terms of technology? But I feel, is do you, do you feel that it, it brilliance has really honed, you know, it's that saying it's hard to, it's easy to make it complicated, yeah. but it's hard to make it simple. Yeah. Well, the difference with us is mm. like every technology tackles personalization different, but we are actually a suite. So we are, we try yeah. to be able to tackle personalization across every yeah. channel and every device and yeah. every, every area you can think of in the personalization world. Whereas an email provider might be tackling personalization in an email. Yeah. Um, and yeah. what we do build in is suppression logic. So because we can run everything for a retailer, 
Yeah. Even if you qualify for four triggered emails, you don't get four triggered emails. So we no. have a suppression logic. We have priority links. So everything's got a rating so that if you fall into four different personalization rules, as an example, you yeah. will see the most important rule for that customer that, that we've, we've designated. So if you're yeah, using I, I, Matt, I've got to say, I love, I love your passion for this stuff because <laughs> well, it, it, it really gets my propeller spinning as well, to be honest with you. If I had a, a little uh, propeller spinning here, I mean, it's, it's super interesting, I think, because right now, I mean, if you're on Shopify or if you're on big commerce, your only point of difference realistically in, from a technology, now this is purely technology standpoint, is actually something like Beryllium, something that is doing and driving your personalization and your engagement, right? Your refactoring of your results, um, you know, what products to show here and there. So this is why I think, you know, like at some point it's going to become that, um, you know, your point of difference is essentially how well you do this personalization piece. Yeah, and, and, and I think the key to it is the ease of ease of integration and flexibility. So yeah. there are... There's really three levels. You've got brands that are using plugins. They might be smaller companies. They're using basic plugins to get started, but they yep. run out of puff pretty quickly. They're not supported, and yep. and they're pretty quickly looking for a more robust tool. Then you've got your mm. medium-sized business that's using maybe yep. a personalization platform of some kind, but they might be using five tools. They might be using something for triggered emails and cart abandonment, another recommendation tool, another social proof tool. That's five so hard to manage. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and they don't talk. So personalization has to connect, right? So you yeah. need to know that if I'm running a, a social proof notification, that could be running in the recommendation widget. And the recommendation yep. widget can be running in the cart abandonment email. And if you use different technologies, you're not going to get that seamless experience. And to your point before, that's when you start to creep out the user because yeah. – they're a little confused by what's what's going on. Whereas if you have a platform that can actually link all of those pieces and you don't have mm -hmm. to do it all, you, you just mm -hmm. tackle one problem at a time, but you know that yeah. if you do expand to more, it's interlinked. And I think the other part of it is it must be real time. You know, personalization is, it has to be cross channel. It yeah. has to be cross device, but yeah. it has to be real time. And I think yeah. If you're not doing that, you're possibly not doing personalization in the true sense and you're probably not maximizing the point of difference you could be giving your retail experience against the next player. Um, no, I to totally agree. Totally agree know, with that. Yeah, I yeah. Think it's, it's similar with uh, serving ads. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you want your, you kind of, you want your ads and you want your personalization and everything else to kind of talk together and your ads give off intent signals based on, you know, um, what, you know, what uh, campaigns they're in, where the source is, what the referral, like all, like, there's enough information from a, for, for, for a marketer um, to be able to make decisions on what type of page should be displayed, what the product layout should look like. Uh, is the person in a discovery phase or are they actually at the end of the purchasing funnel? Are they now, you know, in, with in, intent to buy signals, are they actually now shopping on price or stock? Are they looking at where's the mouse, you know? Brilliant sort of looks at all of that, doesn't it? It all sort of looks at all of that in those intent signals and says, okay, this person, maybe if it shows an exit intent, as you say, you've got a suite of products potentially to show a pop-up with an offer in it or, you know, or, um, you know, there are ways for you to, you guys to actually try and keep the customer on page and stop them from bouncing. And you, you essentially get more out of your marketing spend, right? Yeah, well, exactly. Well, I think, you know, yeah. Any of the personalized, the, the, the major personalization platforms are built on machine learning and AI, yeah. really. Yeah, so yeah. every part of that process from data collection, so being able to track the full digital footprint of a customer once they hit a website, right? that's mm -hmm. sort of the, the, 
the start of it and then being able to segment that that data and then being able to look at collaborative filtering which is where you actually look at the patterns across a whole website so you take Mm -hmm. all the signals so we know this customer is looking at x y and z but if we put that index that against the whole bingley customer database what are they most likely to buy after they look at that uh, samsung tv yeah we can start to build these patterns together and yep. all this is happening in the background, but it's basically machine learned logic and algorithms mm-hmm. working together. And then the brilliance experience piece that the retailers take advantage of is just the ability to then use and unleash experiences that tailor that data. They don't need to get involved with the data. It all happens automatically, but they can say, look, I just want to run a campaign or a, a pop-up or message bar to anybody who's viewed uh, a Samsung TV from Bing Lee in the last three days and where that product's dropped in price by 5% or more. We're mm-hmm. going to we're going to target those customers. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So it can be very micro or it can be macro. But um, yeah. yeah, I think that's the ability- an interesting one, isn't it? Did you do because I mean, we in a couple of podcasts ago, I had um, Phil Majace. He was a uh, he he's actually who oh, I work with. Yeah, 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 to, yeah, 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 yeah. So. I mean, he gave us some really great insights on, on um, you know, what's going on with the economy and, and what the future outlook is. And, I mean, as much as you can kind of cram into, you know, uh, 50 minutes, but um, we could probably take one topic and talk for 50 minutes about it. But he's got so much knowledge in, in the retail space and, and in the industry. But, um, you know, one of the, one of, one of the things um, I feel that it's starting to happen now and a lot of I don't know if a lot of retailers, I wouldn't say a lot, a lot of them are still are very switched on, but some of them just, even even some of the better ones, and I'm not going to name any names, but I, I jump onto their websites now and I think they're, lack, they're missing a lot of opportunities which Brilliance could actually bring. And, and I, I think only one or two things need to be done really well. As you said, you mark that list off as you go and you incrementally improve your your conversions to a point where, um, I remember when we implemented uh, a simple thing like abandoned cart emails on cross device. We had a couple of issues, I think, originally, um, you know, because there's privacy concerns around, um, you know, you, sh- you jump on your your mobile device, uh, you look at a particular product and you jump on your computer at home. It's very hard to stitch some some things together and rightfully so. And that's to protect the customer uh, essentially in, in, the, in, their, in their privacy. But just implementing a, 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 the very basic email abandonment the right way, yeah. which we did the right way. And that's yeah. the key point. We in, massively increased our conversions. I mean, I think it went up something 300 odd percent, um, you know, conversions off mobile devices and off, and then off, off um, the email campaigns we were sending out as well. Yeah. So it had this flow on effect to these other channels as well, because people were then, uh, starting to see, and and we knew when someone had already purchased something because it had all the conversion tracking tags, and uh, I was seeing you know big advertising companies having issues with understanding that I'd already bought that particular product. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to see that ad anymore. Well, but the, but well. you know what I'm saying. You know, you come from the media space. You understand this. Like it's so you know it's it's just you do one thing, you do it well. And I said this a few podcasts ago. Then you move on to the next thing. Correct. Break it down. And I think to your point about why you look at some of these experiences and they don't look too personalised, I think part of the problem is uh, the, the term personalisation is being generalised a little bit and it's probably yeah. used in areas. Actually, maybe I- let's go into that because I think that's, a, that's an interesting one. Because- look, we talk to retailers every day and we consult two retailers and we listen to retailers and, and I observe, you know, I can look at a website and 
immediately, if you and I go onto a website and are viewing the same, or pretty much the same recommendations on the same product, they're not personalized. That's product to product correlation. That is, I would say it's the start. It does have a place, but it's the start of the personalization logic journey. And um, I think what's happened is we've seen personalization become mainstream. And there's some great technology out there. I mean, some of the marketing automation platforms and some of the tech out there is outstanding. Um, but I think um, it's almost become a buzzword where everybody wants mm. to add on a personalization component. Um, yep. Whereas I think, and some of that can be done really well, but often you'll actually look at it and go, that's actually not personalizing. It is a recommendation tool. It's better than nothing. But to me, again, a personalization has to be real time. So um, I think retailers underinvest in it. So if you're running Mm. card abandonment and product recommendations, um, you know, you're doing, you're on the journey, but you haven't solved the problem. And I think it starts with either, you don't even need to have the full strategy. I think you can start with a problem. You know, we we say to a lot of retailers, what's the goal? And the goal might be in the next three months, my mantra, the goal is purely increase average basket value and ensure that we can get another one or two items so added to the cart. So on average, we want to go from 1.5 to 2.5 yep, yep, yep. in the basket. basket size. Yep, and so yep. we can then take that and go, okay, based on that, looking at the suite, here are four mm-hmm. techniques that we can use. We might do a pop-up recommendation widget at the cart page mm-hmm. and with a logic that looks at the cross-selling opportunities for the items that are in that cart at that point, positioned in a pop-up. We'll then run a message bar that targets users based on that cart content with a cross-sell at another product mm-hmm. and get 50% off. Um, there could be a free shipping live notification message, et cetera. So we can cherry pick for the retailer the solution for that. And yep. I think retailers get overwhelmed by personalization because there's so much available in it. If we take suites like yes. Aureliance and there's others, we have yep. a lot in it. And sometimes you've got to yes. simplify it, break it down to one component yes. that's most relevant for you as a retailer yep. that day or that month or wherever you're getting the pressure internally, whether it's Mm -hmm. conversion rate, you need to re-engage more shoppers. We're entering a really tricky period, right? We are. We're going to have new businesses tough for retailers, so you've got two options. You need to re-engage lapsed shoppers and get them back to the site and get your active shoppers more active, return shopping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you need to make sure that as users reach the website through whatever channel that they're coming there, that you're converting mm. more of them. You must look at conversion rate optimization of those users. Mm. And I think being in the industry a long time, I'm, I'm convinced that it's still the easiest, most affordable, low-touch way to do that is through personalization, no matter who you use. A yep. personalization strategy is the simplest way to do it. With the way the tech is today, it's plug mm. and play. Like it really yeah. is. And it, it doesn't need to be expensive. It's just yeah, simplifying well that, That's what the other want. thing too, right? I mean, uh, the, the, uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of I know ecom guys are they're under a lot of pressure to actually um, perform, and it was, especially after COVID. And this is one of the things Phil and I spoke about. You know, the value conscious consumer, where they're you know the the, the customer is looking still still there's a desire for the Adidas, the Nike, the Dyson, yeah. the Sony TV, whatever it is. Um, but they're looking for value in the price, so so they're looking for offer uh, or just a, f- a first price that's low. Um, so the balance will be, do you, you know, I think in the future, a lot of retailers need to understand that it's not about the 20% off site wide anymore. It's actually about firing off the offer, uh, at the right time when the, that, that person is showing the right intent signals, because if they bounce and they go somewhere else, the likelihood of you getting them back is, is very, 
very low unless they're a loyal shopper. You know, this this value conscious consumer, just getting back to, to, to that point again, I think we're going to see more of that. As you said, the times are getting tough now for retailers. This pressure that's on these e-com guys, I think they, they're, they're seeing it, they're feeling it, especially from sea levels sort of, sort of down. And I think the reason, uh, you know, people are out, back out in the shops again, and Phil spoke about this, um, People are enjoying being out and socializing again uh, now that, you know, after the lockdowns and they were stuck to shopping online. But one thing I realized um, pretty early on was people were forced to shop digitally. They were actually, they didn't really have much of a choice, right? Because there were lockdowns, there was shops yeah. that were, were shuttered. You had to do either a click and collect or you had to do, you know, so you were limited. You were forced to actually experience that brand and how, little they had invested in that digital experience or how much they'd invested in it. And and thankfully at the time, you know, we, we were taking, we were gaining market share. In fact, I think brilliance and, and the, and the personalization piece inside of all of that was key to actually making sure that when customers jumped on the site, they were seeing decent, per, you know, decent um, uh, recommendations on the homepage we didn't swap out the homepage completely like some brands do. And I know that that's actually quite annoying because that you don't know whether or not someone's changed their mind and they're no longer looking for a particular brand or a particular TV anymore. They actually want to, you know, they, they want to start again and start fresh. And sometimes they don't show those intent signals. So you go back and you're seeing all the recommendations you last saw. And it's, it's just, so it's just as in frust- just as frustrating to be over-personalized too. Um, yeah we're not anywhere near being able to, to read people's minds, of course. Right. So there's only so much you can do, but um, I, I think that the personalization in my mind is, is actually the future, but tell us about this balancing act, you know, a little bit about the balancing, you know, privacy versus personalization. And what do you think are the sort of key things here retailers need to consider with this balancing act? Um, well, I mean, I think, as I said before, it's keeping it simple. It's making sure that the things you do, being, being using personalization to its major, uh, I guess, potential, is not mm-hmm. always just about lowering the price. So we talk even about value shoppers and things like that. Yeah. Value is support, service, ease of use, getting customers through the funnel quickly. All of that is part of the value equation. It's not just the price. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I talked earlier about you can make customer experience actually a competitive advantage that can give you an edge over another customer. We get frustrated when we can't find products easily, right? We yeah, get frustrated 100%. when hate it. Yeah, like yeah. you get, you know, yeah, and the other so thing frustrating. is, the other one is don't send me back to the beginning when I've left the site. You know, you've got the yeah. data. So, um, you know, we allow people now to like pin items, like you can pin items that you're interested in. I do um, that all the time, to be honest. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got four <laughs> kids and one of the things I use the most uh, is that the love heart button or the, you know, the pin or the yeah. like button because, yeah, exactly. You want to, you sometimes, you know, they, they a lot of recommendation, a lot of sites show you, you know, that your last uh, viewed products and, and they think the, the, the guy, the, the webmaster, <laughs> let's call it running the site um, term from the nineties um, <laughs> things. Oh, that's enough. Why do we need, why, you know, why do we need a pin button? You've got the, you know, you previous, no mate, that's not how it works because yeah. I've already looked at that stuff. It's this yeah. having the experience of understanding and knowing the difference in that, that shopper's journey is exactly. super important. So important. And I think one of the things that I don't think enough retailers do is this dynamic homepage personalization where, oh, mate, where you can literally, I might've been on Bingley and I bought, um, I might have bought a TV in the last, mm. you know, 
two months. But once you're there now, you might be looking at a microwave or a soundbar. And so what we allow, we always put the highest weighting. I think any platform should put the highest weighting on the current session. So you never disregard the past because there's some fantastic signals there. You still know their location, the price points they like to buy in, the brands they Well, you have your first-party data. Does, does, does Brilliance consumes first-party data, doesn't it? It's all first-party data. We, we, yeah, we do yeah, local-based yeah. storage. So yeah, uh, yeah, the cookie yeah. world change doesn't, doesn't sort of impact us. But I think the kind of experiences you want to build are real-time experiences. And yes. know, there are a couple we did with, with weather targeting is one that I feel is, you know, we talk about trying to – Yeah, it's a big one you know, reactive sales. So if it's raining outside, we know umbrella sales go up. I know I think the mm. big league example we have was we used to do when it was a really hot day where the user was logged in at. If you're up in North Queensland and it's 30 degrees, there's an uh, air conditioner promo that's running. Oh, port- portable online. air conditioners. Portable air I mean, condition- you know, I want relief right now. It's going to be 40 degrees for the next three or four days. And, yeah, I, you know, I don't have time to find someone to install a big spit system. I just want to get cool right now. Yeah. And my current one, all my current one's broken. So, um, And the other yeah. one is time of day. Like we're working with a, a major tea retailer and, you know, the, the, the tea that people buy in the morning, there's breakfast teas and there's afternoon teas. That, yeah. And so we yeah. actually have completely different rules set up for different audiences. Um, and obviously then we've got different territories. So you might be seeing iced tea promotions because it's hot where the user's logged in at. Um, and an English, you know, breakfast tea somewhere else. So being able to use um, time of day, weather targeting, those types of triggers actually gives you a competitive advantage. You're you're making it easy for that customer to, to want to engage with you, to want to transact and to ideally return. And that's the yeah. nature of the game. It's not a race to the bottom on price. It should be about delivering an experience that is truly valuable to the customer. And I mm-hmm. think the rest follows on. And yeah, as I say, don't do too many tricks, just... Keep yep. it simple and go in based on a particular goal or a particular objective for the site. You might be that your conversion rate's not converting on mobile. So we can come up with tactics that are specifically designed to that. Um, and if you've got an agency, the agency can help you with that, but they're often going to be using a tool or a series of tools to do that. And that's where yep. the personalization platforms or, or plugins or whatever you're using mm. can have an impact. Um, yeah, so- oh, 100%. And on that, I think one of the things I remember clearly was – um, when we implemented the recommendation side. So um, we'd realized, well, I did a bit of work in Tableau and we we're, were talking to Eddie Peel just, just recently. He runs um, Data Cubed out of New Zealand and, and APAC. Uh, he's the co-founder there. You know, we used our first party data to realize that if someone buys a Dyson vacuum cleaner, for example, um, or anything. So for example, you buy, um, I don't know, a, a computer, for example, Um that you're more likely within the next two weeks to buy a hand stick vacuum, for example, or you're more likely to buy during COVID, you're more likely to buy a set of speakers and a mouse, but you didn't buy them straight away. Okay. So you could show them throughout the, the throughout the journey, those recommendations, and that had a top of mind influence next time. But if you, as you say, get them in and out of the funnel really quickly, the likelihood of them coming back within the next two weeks and shopping with you again, based on the fact you serve them relevant recommendations, was about fifty to sixty percent higher, in yeah. my experience. Yeah, right? it and is, like yeah. you said, you can take market share, and and if you get them in and out quickly, I think appliances online, the oh. number one proposition for them has always been their delivery service. So as an e-commerce business, you're actually a logistics com- company that's also a software company, and yeah. if you can, if you can, if you can learn from those who are doing it really well and implement that and then learn from that and iterate 
and iterate quickly, then you can actually focus on parts of the business that you know needs need improving and let the best of breed platforms take care of those other things. And I think um, when I look at, uh, you know, I'd been competing against appliances online for over 10 years, first with Big Brown Box, yeah. And then, you know, then Thorn yeah. with Radio Rentals and then I moved over to, to Bing Lee with Peter Crideris. The way that they've built their business of getting people in and out really quickly, um, getting the product to them as quickly as possible for as cheap as possible um, has led Rise to just taking taking market share. Yeah, they have. And I think they're a really good example of the fact that personalization and that fantastic experience starts the minute that customer hits the website and it doesn't end until that customer comes back and puts in a feedback form and a review on the product or the, or the service. Exactly. So yeah. The whole iteration from the, what, how easy it is to find a product, um, the, when people attend, how quickly they get there, the types of people that deliver that product and then the post sale experience. Hmm. That is all part to me of the personalization journey and experience. Oh, some of it through yep. tech, some of it through people, but there's a strategy there that they've actually put in from the, from the front to the begin to the end. And it's, it's, a real challenge for retailers even now just to be able to be cross-channel and to take all the in-store data and be able to personalize based on that and to be able to marry up your browse data with your in-store data that's difficult mm-hmm. um, yeah so do you have any any boardroom conversations around that um how ethical any of this is i mean nine times out of ten the, these conversations have already happened between you know the director of marketing and the cfo and the cto and the ceo and all the founder or whatever and you know the last thing you want is is for for them to appear on a current affair because they've shown, I mean I know there's some 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 um, nightmare examples and I remember being in the online retailing event over in in Seattle I think and it was one example of Target, I think they sh- was showing um, um, pregnancy testing kits or something to their father and they he quickly worked out oh, at the, oh. on the home computer and then he quickly worked out his daughter was pregnant or like there's horror <laughs> stories to hear about that yeah, i mean do you ha- ads, yeah, yeah, do, do, yeah it was ads actually yes yeah, so yeah, it wasn't actually yeah, on, yeah. on well yeah. i think they were, and they also think they were doing on-site personalization as well but yeah. anyway do you have to, these conversations and and i mean is it is it like we don't care we just want more customers i mean what is your, the general vibe Oh no! Well, look, everyone treads very caref- carefully on it now, yeah. and I think they're more yeah. ethical than ever. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good, know. isn't it? Really, in a way. Well, yeah, and look, the customer always yep. dictates that, so the platform will always sit in the background, and you know, we will only ever pick up the signals they want. We will only send an email to people that we that they agree we should send them to. So yes, yeah. The the, the customer, the retailer, is always driving that program. We're yep. we're just fulfilling it based on whatever their opt in rules are, but. Mm. Um, yeah, we do have exclude product features in all of our, um, you know, like one was maternity where you like you attri- only... attributes, you get like yeah. product level attributes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you would actually exclude particular products yeah. from from yeah. product recommendations and things yeah, like that. So sense. there's normally business rules that we will sit down and discuss with a customer prior to make yeah. sure that if there are any exclusions or anything that might be perceived in a particular way, we will move those away or exclude those. Um, yeah. from things like recommendation widgets or particular personalization rules. But, yeah, you've got to be careful. Like, But you yeah. do have full control because, you, you know, we're just following the experience and the, the guidelines that the retailer sets. Uh, so, you, so do you have an implementation team that would take you through some of the pitfalls potentially or, or some of the gotchas that, that might be part of it? Or do you do, you do the implementation or hand over the keys or maybe give a sense of, of how someone would engage with you guys? 
Yeah, so look, we you know we do all the setup, so we try to make sure the retailer really doesn't have to do anything beyond put the script on the website and maybe mm-hmm. provide a data feed. Yep. Um, and at that point, the retailer can step away, and we we sort of through that script can pick up all the data signals and and the like. Um, yep. But no, we we walk them through. We we make sure that everything, every single iteration of the website, whether it's a recommendation widget or rule, everything has to be previewed first. So we have preview links for everything that we do, um, yep. and everything has to be customer signed off before anything goes live. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Environment. So the usual, yeah. the usual. You don't just push things. You don't just push things into production without anyone knowing. Well, it's not even that. It's just making sure that, you know, that everything can be previewed in, in, as it would look in the site. But it's mm. not live, you know, so it's yeah, only yeah, you with the yeah. preview link that can see it. But the pitfalls really are around data. Like, I think the mm. biggest challenge is uh, an engine like ours can pick up and personalize based on any attribute you can provide. So the more attributes, the better. But yep. that then means that you need to have your data sorted. So you need yeah, product decent, data, product feeds, data feeds with a lot feeds. of attributes, category trees that are reliable and consistent between the website and the data feed. And, Mm. So we do do that analysis work up front. So they, mm. we get a data feed, we'll say, can you add this? Uh, that doesn't match this on your website. So we do all that um, in tune with the retailer and give them advice on how to get that consistent. So mm-hmm. in a way, that consulting is often good for the retailer because they're like, okay, didn't even know that. Or that's yeah. great because it will make our other marketing more effective as well if we well, have all those attributes. A hundred percent. I mean, that's that's such a good point. Uh, and uh, I just want to jump in here because I, I know in a, in a previous life, I mentioned it, any names. I mean, I implemented a completely new CMS and uh, in the CMS was all new product data and data attributes. And we spent a huge amount of time, um, one of the content managers that used to work for me, uh, brilliant guy, you know, we, we spent a lot of time doing it, but I think it's, a lot of it's been lost. You know, when I look at the site now, a lot of it, yeah, it, they don't really realize how powerful you really need to have teams of people. And we outsource, well, I was outsourcing at the time, but you have to have unique content on in those attributes. And, and a lot of the times we found, you know, product information was incorrect from suppliers or a lot of, um, or even, even data gets entered, uh, you know, incorrectly does. Um, I mean, this, this, uh, sort of level of control within brilliance to actually choose the, the attributes you want to personalize on. Um, is it a sense that you, is it the more you, the more data, like with machine learning, we were talking about in the last podcast, the more, more data you guys have, the more more likely or the probability of having a better statistical significance to that particular session uh, goes up, 100%. right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the more product data and unique product data that you have, the more likely um, shoppers are actually going to shop. The correlation between your data and the shopper, where the gap I think exists in my mind between product teams, buying teams, marketing teams i go to some sites and i can't believe there's only like one or two attributes on a product and i i actually want to have personalization and uh, i think the best personalization is the type you don't notice right you just you're just Invisible. shopping and it's That's it. That's yeah it. yeah and it's all and it's all happening how much and and um, this is this is more of a segue into a bit of a topic and um it, it's more about uh does Brilliance understand images and we spoke about image recognition and personalization or image recognition and data. Ed was, is working on one at the moment, um, over, um, um, uh, data cubed. Does, does Brilliance know what it's looking at? Does it understand that a black t-shirt is a black t-shirt without understanding the, the, the product or having the product data with it to, to, to reinforce that learning or does it, does it actually have any machine learning base? Cause I know it's a super hard thing to do and do it right. 
I'm just curious. You mean, is there a visual, like, are we picking it up visually, like a visual match of the product? Yeah, 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 exactly. So does it, does it, does it, just like Pinterest knows when you highlight something that it says, oh, it, it, it does, it basically does a match and it tries to find in the database an image similar to what you've chosen. Yeah. No, does it know yeah. that it's, you're looking at a black t-shirt, has a print on it, for example, with the words, does it, does it do that type of um, image-based recognition or, or not? Is it no, just it's, purely it's, based on feeds? Yeah, at the moment it's based on attributes provided, really, and then yeah, we can yeah, enhance yeah. that out. It's not actually yeah. visually detected, although we're seeing now all this generated. I was going to say, if you said yes, I was going to be really concerned, to be honest with you, because <laughs> yeah. I know image recognition, and 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 Enday was showing me some examples of, um, I think it's Dali, Dali two, um, where it where it um. You know, it can build AI-generated images based on what you describe. So it actually yeah. does it in reverse. Well, exactly. And it's so, so, and it's so bad. Oh, well, well, well like, there is this generative AI now, right? So yeah, retailers yeah. are going to be using yeah. AI to create product descriptions and add creatives and all of that. And yeah, um, I think I mentioned before that you know, there's some all this virtual reality now and augmented reality that retailers yes. are tapping into and yeah there's a crossover between that technology and the personalization world that i think is really exciting you've also got to have the attributes to know that those similar products would fit into that space so you're looking at the size dimensions, dimensions. the fabric dimensions and all the attributes yeah. and then once you've yeah. got that so that's why the more attributes that you can provide a personalization partner the better that experience will be yeah. and, and the, the call of the, the kind of um, uh, features you'll be able to run, and the results will, will flow on the back of that. Same yeah, I with- think I think mate, I think ecom guys are too focused, uh, and just e-commerce departments in general. And this is coming from years of experience. They're just too focused on what the site looks like because that's what the CFO looks at. <laughs> yeah, you know, like uh, it's it's almost like in the old days when you know outdoor furniture guys in marketing would buy a billboard that. Um, or a bus stop or something where the the CEO lives, you know, because he just to it's it's all about um, it's all about um, you know these impressions that people get on on things. It's not it's not about what actually works. It's about uh, first impressions sometimes, and it's it's you know it's it's sad because in my mind everybody should be focusing on their CMS, their product data, how clean it is. They should have teams of people working on. Yeah unique descriptions um, using AI. Now, AI is never going to replace human intuition. It, well, hang on, hang on. It might at one point when it becomes sentient and passes the Turing test, but you know, um, I think that the, the benefits and the flow on is everywhere. It's on, on your, your feeds to Google. It's your feeds to you know your personalization engine, your feed to your website. It, it flows through to your ERP to your invoicing, your product descriptions match your invoices, you know, your shipping labels match your ERP, which match your website. You know, it goes through everything. And, it does. you know, and the net result is just a better experience for the customer because it starts with the personalization. They've, you've been able now to identify accurately through the product data, you know, that the, the collective um, recommendations and accurately and which we know flows on to just buying more and spending more and having a better affinity to your brand. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's huge, isn't it, Matt? I mean, we're get, we're getting right on an hour and an hour now. I'm I, I'm loving, absolutely loving talking to you, mate. And um, I was going to go into some trends and predictions for for you, but I think we we could maybe I'll get you back on if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, in, you know, in in month month or so, and we'll, we'll catch up. Maybe we do it even face to face, even and yeah, that'd be great. And have a over set up a couple of chairs and have it over over a coffee. 
But um, I've got one thing for you, and I know you're a sporting goods nut, and I've got my Western <laughs> Sydney Wanderers hat yeah. on. Nice. Um, yeah. Your thoughts of the Matilda game, and I've got my, um, you know, my oh, scarf here. Um, Kerber, she's she was in. She had so much pressure on her. I don't look. I don't know. I know how she missed those couple goals in the end. But yeah, those, those you, legs were did, dead, I think, mate. It felt mate, like, didn't it? She 100%. had heavy legs. And, yeah. She should have been subbed after the first goal, I reckon. Now, the first goal was probably one of the best goals I've seen in, in the Women's Premier uh, in the Women's the, um, the World England Cup one. so far. The England one or her? Uh, her yeah, 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 the, yeah, the, yeah, the England one. Yeah. Uh, mate, that, that, that was from outside. People don't understand what is actually – so I'm a huge soccer nut, right? Yeah. And – they don't understand how honed someone's skill. That doesn't happen just by chance. Yeah. Oh, totally. She, she hit that at full pace. She had a couple of quick steps to, and she just cracked that thing in the top corner. Oh, totally. And, mate, honestly, that as a coach, uh, I know there's coaches around the world going, whoever's got her, mate, you know, they're – as a Mate, she's un. Believable, and then she had a lot of pressure on her. I feel Ross uh, Rasso, she killed it, um, but she wasn't performing in that last game. And um, you know, I just felt like the team had kind of thought that they'd achieved what they'd set out to achieve. And I feel like maybe the coach didn't kind of reset their minds again. They kind of came on the field and thought, whatever happens from here, we've done an amazing one of the one of the biggest. Achievements Mate, I in sport? What do you think? Was, I think their motivation was huge. I think you've got to give a bit of credit to England. I think that was actually a perfect hit job, really. Like, they were oh, so 100%. precise yeah. and accurate in... Yeah. Like, you know when teams just play aggressive and they're, they're kind oh, of mate. defensively... like Look at Jamaica. Them. Did you see Jamaica against Colombia? Oh, no, I've got one, my, my, my friend's Colombian <laughs> and um, Carlos and, and, you know, we were having jokes and stuff. But, mate, they were getting chopped left, right and centre. But Colombia just kept going, kept going. I kind of felt like it rattled the Aussies a little bit. Don't, oh, don't you feel? I'd love to say we were robbed because I always love saying that when the, when we're playing England. But they did a good job on it. And I'm like, they maybe did. now nobody yeah. uh, Wallabies can inflict us some reverse pain. <laughs> let's you know, let's hope nowhere, so. Mate, you know? A lot of people don't know. You've got a sporting goods uh, company that you run as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I've got a business called Warrior Sports, which is a sort of sports retail. We... we uh, we have an e-commerce business, or, uh, but we also sell direct to clubs and schools. We do sort of equipment and apparel. And, yeah, but you know yeah. what? Look, I, I've spoken to retailers, you know, about how to get traffic, you know, through GetPrice yes. for years yeah, and years yeah. and then yeah, for the last yeah, seven yeah. years on how to convert it. And it's really interesting yeah, living a day in the life of the retailer. And I actually mm. think it, it hones what I do. I'm, a, I'm actually a retailer. I'm yeah, not a exactly. podcaster. Yeah. I am I am a podcaster. That's what I'm doing now. <laughs> but um, and, and I also help people make decisions in business. You know, it's just a simple discussion um, that that just kind of points things in the right direction. You know, just yeah. that little bit. You just need that, need that little bit of reassurance. And someone like me can come into your business and say, hey, you know, like impl- what I think you should do is implement something like Brilliance. When you know something works and you know it works well and you can trust in the people that you're going to, the implementation is going to be good. So yeah, all right, mate. Well, look, every every um, guest gets a gets a little gift, and I've got this oh, one for wow. you. It's a Digital Discovery Podcast um, mouse mat. Uh, oh, these just go, these, these just came in, and I've got giving. I've he got a mug as well, and I've got a t-shirt oh, as well man, that's mate. coming. You're a good and, man. Uh, I know, as I said, I know you're in sporting goods. I want to show you these these things, and uh, this came in. I, I, I'm a sucker for things on Instagram, um, and I, I bought this. Now, I don't know if you've seen these before. It's called the Playmaker LCD. Um, oh, have wow. you seen? 
No. Have you seen this? I should be now, selling mate, those. Yeah, you should be. And I, and I tell you, it came from Canada because I was tracking the shipping on it. Uh, and, mate, so oh, like as, as a coach, right, I'm sitting yeah. here and I'm going, run your little shits <laughs> now. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, that's awesome, yeah. See this? Yeah. Right? And then you can go, all right, so that's a bad example, but I just did that on purpose because then you can just go like this. Oh, hang on. No, I've locked it. It has a lock button on the side where you can lock it from. Um, from, oh, from, from not being deleted. Yeah. So then you hold the button down and that's it. It's yeah, gone. Right. Did yeah, you see that? I, yeah, because we do the whiteboard version, but I like that. I think that's cool because AFL uses yeah. a lot of that as well, you know, in positional play. And... Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you can say there's your back line and then you want to, you got, you know, two here, you want to go goal side and then you want to. Well, in defense, so you want to come back to the posts and defend, and then you're going to bring, you know, like you like can. The old you can do sketch. What was it? Yeah. The one where oh, you said, yeah. mate, that's exactly what it is. It's just I'm a sucker for it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, well, that's right. actually just an etch a sketch. Yeah, it's a retro. It I like it. Yeah, you have to show me one of those. I think they're they're pretty cool. I reckon that we'll throw that. Might throw those up on the website. Yeah, mate. I think <laughs> I think you should. I think you got a winner there. I need to give uh, you some footies too to test out. Yeah, I'll have some footies, and I'll tell you one. Yeah, yeah, still coaching, and I'm doing summer nice. soccer at the Western Sydney Wanderers, and that's why I've got my hat on. Oh, right. And any of the listeners out there that are interested, they should go onto the uh, Western Sydney Wanderers website and register their soccer team for the fives. So, um, yeah, there's a, the, the fi- yeah, there's five fives are on. Um, starts in September, tenth uh, of September. So you've got to get in quick. And um, it, it, I was actually going to reach out to you because I um, ordered all the. Um, jerseys but i wasn't sure if you did the personalization no, on jerseys no we do all that so we um, our guy ah, Ante, see i could have did, i could have sent did, business your way uh, well, well so our, we're gonna go ante kovic i don't know if you remember ante he was a goalie for the socceroos and yeah he, man yeah he had, yeah yeah, yeah, in the, so he, yeah, yeah. He, he heads up our soccer division so croatian? he does all the soccer apparel croatian, croatian, croatian i think yeah 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 Oh so, man, I have to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll connect that up, mate. We'll 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 have a chat because he's uh, he's the man, and the the soccer kid is incredible because he's designed it all basically, uh, redesigned it all over the last year. Soccer people are very particular in their gear, mate. It's a little different they to are. the rugby yeah. and the league world and the AFL world. They want they streamlined. Are. It's like European cups, and you know. <laughs> yeah, they they are. They're very particular, and I mean, obviously, mine are mine are mine are thirteen boys. So um, they just get what they're given. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true, know, but, yeah. But they're excited this this year because uh, for soccer, so we were in the finals last year at the Wanderers Ground. Uh, we were in the uh, finals. We, we just lucked out to to another team, better team. They, 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 would play, they had a couple of really good players and all credit to them. Looking at all the different customized jerseys, you can see the really bad quality ones. Yeah. Like they're that really cheap kind of almost looks – they look like plastic almost. The material doesn't yeah, look yeah. – you know, and it doesn't, it says it's sweat wicking and all that, but you can see but the, the, the Liga ones look really good. So I'd be really interested to see and talk to him to see what his his stuff is like as well. So anyway, I mean, you know, something something worth the chat later. Anyway, mate, look, it's been fantastic talking to you, mate. And um, you're looking well. And I I, um, I hope to talk to you again soon. And thanks for your time for, for coming on the podcast. And Always a pleasure. enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah.